0: Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern.
1: And welcome back to Masters of Modern. We actually have some weird stuff happening. So last week we had extra guests, and this way we have no Ben. Ben can't make it today.
0: Uh, Instead, we have the professor of Tolarian Academy fame. I'm actually from the community college on Tularia east you see oh, the academy right. is on telaria west <laughs> we're technically across the street from the mall so like uh, next time you go down to get like an orange julius or 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 something uh, across the way there's some bungalows and that's us the community college we Got study it. yeah accessories mostly
1: it's like the more the more uh, affordable more wiser option before playing those giant private institution fees
0: Absolutely more affordable. In fact, we have a special right now, which is that with every new enrollment, you get not one, not two, but three free documents notarized by (laughs) our uh, on-site notary. So that's just great value. Come on down and enroll today. So
1: for those guys who don't know what's happening, we are doing our uh, Magic the Gathering Origins uh, set review. This is the last core set. It's oozing with nostalgic flavor of all variety and sources so we're gonna just kind of get into it for people that are just joining us for the first time for one of our top uh set reviews what we do is we count down each of our picks of the top 10 cards in the set for modern and eventually we'll do an honorable mentions and then we'll announce what our number one is and normally there's some cajoling about you know how dare I put this card over another card normally it's me who makes the mistakes so we're gonna hope that the professor can handle Ben's status of making fun of me for picking cards in the wrong order (laughs) and or uh, or
0: perhaps my picks will be so bad so laughable so amateurish that it will just you your picks will be gleaming gold in comparison to my community college embarrassment level of of picks here so there there is that option too i might make you look very very good just being here today so I, i hope to do my job well in that regard yeah, maybe maybe I get to sit in the shining yeah. spell Skype based higher rating chair of
1: of Ben Bateman Dum. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I do want to remember everyone to follow us on Twitter. In fact, if you want, tweet at us right now. We are at the MM Cast. And so let's get started. So, number 10. Do you want to go first? As, sure. All I'm, right.
0: I'm going to say that number 10, and it's it's almost a, a pity include, but it's uh, Liliana Heretical Healer. Oh. She's in okay. there for, for budget value more than function, but I think that she will see a lot of play as a budget include for a lot of people who can't afford the $400 and up for a play set of Liliana of the Veil. And so I think that she's going to see play as a result of that extreme budget value. Okay, see, I currently
1: have her way higherly listed, so oh. I'm not going to give my reasoning for why I think she'll see play in the format. Okay. In fact, compared to your number 10 slot, I have her laughably high.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so, no, I, I thought I would get a bit of a like uh, a chuckle at the fact I included her at all when obviously Liliana of the Veil vale could be in her place in any modern deck that you're running, but I, feel, I, I just felt that she's uh, kind of a budget pick, which is something I'm always very interested in. Right. Well, no, and I do think she'll
1: definitely, for a lot of people who can't afford the $100 price tag on a normal Liliana of the Veil, she has a chance of definitely seeing play in some decks for that reason. Uh, there's another reason I put her so high, and we'll get to that later. Sure, <laughs> um, sure, sure. So my number 10 is the ATAT walker of the set, uh, Hanger back Walker, which is the XX for, uh, zero, for a 0-0 zero zero, uh, artifact creature construct. That mm-hmm. uh, when it enters the battlefield, it gets X plus one plus one counters on it, and then if it dies, you get that many for every counter on it, you get that many Thopter flying tokens. Plus, you can tap in and put a counter on it. So I think out of Affinity sideboards, this card is going to see a, and maybe even main deck some play, just because it's going to like help that matchup when it deals with a lot of the like large like board wipes. one of Affinity's weaknesses is like pyroclasm or any of the other like just do damage to everything and this card is definitely kind of like the way around that problem plus it just inherently has so many natural things that it does with ravager because if a ravager is on the board this is on the board even if you're able to kill the ravager or kill this the tokens the the counters can be moved onto this and give you like
0: a mini thopter army that's just going to be impossible to deal with from that point on Interesting, interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that way. I think that that's definitely a valid way of looking at it, yeah. It actually didn't make my top ten list at all. Good. That means we
1: have extra cards to talk about. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. All right. so, number
0: nine. Uh, I'm going with Gideon, the hero of Akros. Now, I know that he's technically called Kytheon, the hero of Akros. But I have a feeling that everybody, when playing this card, is just going to call him Gideon. So I'm going to start that trend right here on the podcast. (laughs) Gideon, hero of Akros. This has just uh, uh, got so much potential, I feel, in Modern. It's a one-drop white planeswalker that does... What doesn't it do, is the question. (laughs) This thing can go in everything from... Uh, uh, zoo decks, to possibly being the uh, kick in the pants that black-white tokens needs to hit the next level, to potentially even starting its own deck of uh, something akin to a white weenies or white aggro built around this card or or really powered by this card. And so I think that this is absolutely uh, uh, got good likelihood to see modern play in some degree. Right, well, and also,
1: like, there's already, it also kind of fits into what the Soul Sisters deck has always been trying to do. It also has similar riders to the decks that, um and I forget what the land is called, but the white hideaway land, that when you attack with three creatures, you get to, like, play the hideaway card, which there right. has been decks in Modern's past that are trying to hide away Emrakul in the play, and this yeah. kind of s- plays in that similar ground. There's also some, you know, there's enough cards in Modern that some type of white devotion deck that, You know, doesn't use devotion cards as its top end, but uses the mana possibly created um, by having all those devotion pips to like do some larger effects that are out there. I definitely can see Kithion seeing some play. Um, I don't have it on my list actually, so I'm glad our list is so
0: different already. (laughs) All right, interesting, interesting. Yes, no, I, I, I'm, I, I think that this is a almost scary level of power that we're getting access to there they did a proxy print of this where they put both sides on just one side so they crammed all the text onto one side and it was epic it just filled up the whole card right and right, to right. get all those options for one white, Mana. I mean, what other one white, one drop do you need? What other one, I ask you? Agreed. I mean, I definitely think this is the best Savannah
1: Lions we've ever seen printed. By like <laughs> a wide, uh, wide margin.
0: <laughs> I remember when Savannah Lions was a great value. Now, no more. You know, the I know. I remember those fallen. days. Well, wait. We, can
1: bring, we talked about it before on Twitter. Cat Tribal. It's coming back.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm actually very excited about that cat-based zoo deck. That's really cool.
1: Um, All right. So my number nine uh, is a little bit, uh, I'm realizing maybe sillier than Kithion, but uh, Pyromancer (laughs) Goggles, which is the five cost legendary artifact that taps for a red mana. And then if you cast a red instant or sorcery spell with that mana, you get to copy it. So, I've seen a lot of lists online right now, and what they're trying to do is, well, on face value, you're tapping out for five mana, and you're copying the lightning bolt that you've saved in your hand. So, it answers the problem of most five drops have, which is, I'm tapping out, and they might kill me on my next turn. Six Mm -hmm. damage for one mana can kill most things in the format, up Mm -hmm. to and including a primeval titan. So, Mm -hmm. just from that level, I can imagine it being okay. Like, it's okay to tap out for this specific thing. The... Bigger benefit, and the thing I'm most excited about, is untapping with it and then casting Cruel Ultimatum, basically insta-winning the game with that nice little two-card combo that it ramps you into. Not to mention the doubled Callagans Commands and the other crazy good red spells out there that definitely kind of play with what this card is doing. I think it's really similar to what a lot of people are using or used to use Batterskull for in yeah. the same kind of slot and are now kind of using um, the red-blue god that I always forget. But he's God of
0: Thunder, doing thunder things. Karanos, Karanos, yes. Well, you know, it's it's funny you should mention Pyromancer's goggles because, uh, and I kid you not, that is actually my number eight as well. Only, (laughs) only, only. It's not my number eight pick for modern. It's my number eight pick for Commander. Because boy, Uh, oh boy, is that going to be fun in Commander for modern? It's too costed for me. I, I I feel that by the time you're getting to that five mana or six mana. Uh, you're either dead or winning already. Uh, I, I see those kind of really fun ideas that you're describing, but I I really am skeptical or even pessimistic about the reality of actually pulling them off reliably. I wish I wish I love the card for having fun, but I just don't think it's going to actually hit the field successfully. I know, reliably. And,
1: and since Ben's not here, I do feel obligated to throw in some of those weird brew decks that he would talk about, so this is... <laughs> I'm blaming him, I'm blaming him. Oh, you. okay, no, okay. No, 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 this is, this is my pick, I'm excited about it. <laughs> Every, I mean, like, the control player's dream is to cast two cruel automatums at once, and I feel like this is the first card that's, like, physically going to able to accomplish that in Modern for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Alright, so, number eight. So... What for, is your number eight? For, for me, maybe I just uh, have Zoo and aggro decks on the brain, but it's Vryn Wingmare, because now we finally get more Thalias, and I'm really excited about the Wingmare uh, to be able to stack that effect with Thalia, to be able to maybe take advantage of the flying for either uh, evasion, but I'm really pleased to see this. Obviously, you know, I wish it was at two, like Thalia, uh, but we're dropping the legendary restriction. And I like the idea of getting to stack that ability in our, our zoo or aggro-based decks.
1: Right. And, and flying is not to be underestimated. I've been talking for a while about how much I love the uh, the hate birds, is what I've been mm-hmm. calling it, that Wizards mm-hmm. has printed the last couple of years, starting with Avon Sensor, And then last year, they played a Hushwing Griff. And now mm-hmm. we have this Pegasus of these 2-1 flyers for three that, like, are what kind of hate bears used to be. The other interesting thing is, like, this stacks with Thalia. You can play Thalia into this card, and the fact that it's not legendary means you can play four of them. Like, and, And you, like, shouldn't be underestimated how much this can
0: lock out a player from really playing the game that they're trying to play. Absolutely, and especially where Modern... Now, right now, we're kind of seeing the the new age of Modern creatures and Modern aggro, but still, Modern has such a heavy non-creature basis for a lot of its top decks, Uh, and so that's just such a great way to mess up your opponent in terms of charging them that extra mana or two if you stack it with Thalia. Uh, Selesnian colors are also starting to really see a surge uh, with Wiltleaf, uh, uh, right. making a comeback and just being able a lot of that's green ground based creatures fly right over their heads even uh, is very helpful because they might be able to, you know, put up a pretty good barricade of aggro on the ground. But very little of those Selesnian forces are in the air, if any.
1: Right. And plus, like almost single handedly, this card kind of wrecks in fact.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: they they can't attack into you because they'll lose their creature, and they can't play their spells because the plus one more to cast effect. So it really just, like, just from that level, that's a good place to be in the format. I'm about it. All right, so my number eight is uh, Molten Vortex. It's one red. Oh, it's, yeah. It's uh, for an enchantment, one red mana, discard a land card. Molten Vortex deals two damage to target creature or player. Um, I think, obviously... Aggro loan decks is the first place a lot of people thought about this, and being a graveyard aficionado myself is a place I kind of definitely looked at. Um, But beyond that, I do think it offers some type of an inevitability that comes down really early against a lot of decks that... Uh, kind of agro was missing, but other stuff like Junt could possibly use where you, it allows you kind of get rid of the glut of lands you might draw in the late game while coming down kind of before most things that could stop it. Like a lot of the times aggro would run into is counter magic, which this kind of dodges because it's a one drop. And then even if it gets abrupt decayed, you're looking at a card that you're up on a mana at the very least. And possibly if you're not up on a mana, you're at least up on killing one of their creatures like a Delver Secrets or other, you know, kind of X2s that are probably going to see more play in the format as format goes more aggressive than it is right
0: now. Absolutely. And just that late game inevitability of you're going long and you're drawing land and you're holding on to land and you're not able to end that game. Uh, And so this gives you something to do with that land. It's kind of I've actually been thinking of this in terms of uh, the new pro mulligan rules that they're testing out to try and just fix that early game draw by letting you scry a few mulligans down to six. Right. And this is kind of the opposite of that, which is like, <laughs> well, what if you go late, and you're just getting land, and you're just getting land, and that's no fun, and that sucks, so you're just getting land. Well, how about a card that just costs next to nothing and lets you do something with that land? And and so it's it's practically the opposite effect for fixing late game flooding. I, I, I just really am a fan of I'm not so confident. It almost made my list. It didn't quite but it was definitely a contender for it. I I think it'll show up. I don't know how much it'll stick around.
1: And and, uh, something also, like, there's... The one card a lot of people have commented is, like, the card that's missing is there's no cycle lands in the format, which is definitely a hole in the type of deck that kind of Molten Vortex is looking for. But there is lands, like, there's the Dredge 2 for black mana land that kind of does a similar thing, where it Mm. allows you to kind of cycle with the uh, the Molten Vortex. And there's other, you know, there's definitely enough tools, I think, in the format to at least make it a tier two viable deck, which right now it doesn't exist in the format. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your
0: number seven? Uh, I'm actually going to be going with Pia and Kieran Nalar. Okay. The new uh, Siege Gang 2.0? Yeah, Siege Gang 2.0, because I think that uh, there's a chance that this is going to show up in maybe mid-range control decks. But more than anything, I think Jund is going to be very happy with this card, Uh, maybe even red something mid-range decks as well. Uh, Being able to use those Thopters uh, as a shock effect really makes any type of blocking or even attacking that your opponent is considering a larger equation, a lar- lot of more possibilities that can happen there. So I-, I actually think that this might have a place in modern as well. Yeah. I've seen a lot of talk as it kind of like
1: a more aggressive Huntmaster mm-hmm, fitting to the- mm-hmm. that four drop slot, which I definitely like though. I do think, the life gain on Huntmaster is a little underrated, and especially right now where, like, the last couple uh, GPs have been leaning more towards the aggressive side. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that Delver of Secrets has kind of gotten better because of mm-hmm. the Scry rule, that, mm-hmm. like, that incidental life gain is important. Though these guys definitely help you answer those problems because you can shock away the Delvers or the threats that the cards are making and also mm-hmm. Blocks Flyers. There's a lot kind of in both rounds. I definitely see it being one of the new four drop options for kind of the Gen decks. Jundex. Yeah. Um, I'm also excited just in general for a lot of the Thopter cards because of, and this is more in the brew category. I had it on my honorable mentions, but I even got rid of it from there. But there's the, uh, the two in red, uh, make one Thopter and all artifacts have haste for mm-hmm. like, Sneaking in giant um, infect titans. <laughs> I forget what. <laughs> with uh, what's his face? The guy that you can tap the sac three artifacts to put in any artifact from your deck into play. Right. Because it kind of curves perfectly into like, put some artifacts in play, play the three drops. So these, I'm really a fan, especially in draft, these uh, Thopter token making cards from like, there's a land that does it, there's these, these guys. I definitely like that as kind of a, a mechanical space they played within this set hmm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so my number seven uh, kind of slots right into a deck that kind of already exists is uh, Bounding Crassus, which is the the blue-green, the Simic uh, Fish Lizard that has Flash. And oh, it, yeah. And it uh, untaps or taps target creature. It's a 3-3. Um, there's been on kind of the fringe and always in, like, random top eights on Moto and sometimes in GPs a uh, teamer and or rug a twin deck where, you know, they, like, throw in Tarmogoyfs to kind of go with the basic beatdown plan and make Mm -hmm. it a little bit more aggressive so that you have even more accesses you have to worry about. And this kind of plays into that heavy aggressive and gives another, like, effect to then just go infinite if you need to that Mm -hmm. also, like, puts on a serious clock. A 3-3 for three flash is pretty decent. That can also, you know, it also just has decent abilities of, like, we've all been tapped or untapped to the creature. You know, can fog your opponent for a turn. Which is what that deck wants to do, but also having just that big body is nice for the aggro teamer lists.
0: Absolutely, and I, I think that maybe it's a bit of a drawback that you're not hitting uh, any land with that twiddle effect. But other than that, uh, you've got a nice 3-3 body here. Uh, there's already a lot of decks set up that this is you know going into. Uh, I think that definitely is going to see play. All right, number six. Number six for me is Evolutionary Leap, and maybe that's a bit of a gamble, but I think this is Birthing Pod <laughs> Light. I feel like this is Birthing Pod Light, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's that's a lot to say. Maybe this is Collected Company Light. I'm not quite sure which. Maybe it's something in between. Maybe it's something else entirely, but I feel that this is feeding in very strongly to the current modern meta that we're seeing in terms of digging through for creatures, uh, putting a lot of uh, forces on the ground. I like that it sticks around. Uh, I like that it allows us to increase what we have dropped uh, as the game itself increases potentially. I'm a big fan of it. I mean, I'm going to just tell you right now, I have this as my number four. (laughs) Oh, okay. So (laughs) So great minds
1: think alike, and so do we. I I mean, I love this card. People of the Mm -hmm. podcast know that I love cards like Shaman and Survival of the Fittest, which just definitely harks back to. I loved Birthing Pot until it got banned, though I do understand why it was banned. (laughs) I do think that the biggest drawback, which is really funny, versus Birthing Pot on this card, other than getting the choose, which definitely offers a fix, is that it's only two mana which we we used to joke that one of the reasons Birthing Pod was so good was because it dodged Abrupt Decay. Right. So you're giving this, it, it is a engine that dies to Abrupt Decay, but in those Collected Company, Coco, Witlith Liege, Abzan decks, this effect is so strong. So many of their cards just come back, and this will let you kind of just chain value all day. Plus, it kind of really plays well with Lilian, Lily, the new Liliana that I definitely can see this card doing something in Modern, if not doing great things in Modern.
0: Plays plays well with the new Liliana. So green and black. Do those colors usually end up getting played together? I no, don't know. No, never. That's yeah. there are Enemy colors. Enemy colors don't see play together. Right, that's, right, right. That's how. That's how modern works. I Boy, can't think I of tell a single... you. At... At at my uh, at the Modern event I played at last weekend at my store, I was wondering if there were colors in Modern other than green and black. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, everybody I sat down across from, green and black, green and black, green and black. So yeah, I think that those two do work really nice well, together. There's red and blue. <laughs> I I know this. I know this. I, I have decks in each of those colors. <laughs>
1: All right, so what is... Oh, so my number no, six... No, no, yours.
0: What's, your, yeah, what's yeah. your number six? I almost
1: I almost missed it. Okay, so this. Right. speaking of red and blue, uh-huh. uh, Day's Undoing. This is the, the new Time Twister. Each player shuffles his or her hand and in graveyard into his or her library and draws seven cards, and then you end your turn for three mana. Yeah. Um, I definitely think this card is obviously powerful. It's going to be interesting where it sees... Uh, like, where it finds a home, I don't think it's necessary. A lot of people are, like, to use Quicken. So a lot of people are trying to, like, oh, if I get to play this on my opponent's turn, it's nuts. But for me, if I'm, like, an affinity player or an aggro player of any sort that, like, oh, I emptied my hand, this is an amazing card to kind of play because it lets me... Get my whole hand, you know, lets me restart my game plan while also like hurting my opponent's Tarmagoifs, hurting my opponent's Call Against commands, hurting my opponent's Snapcaster mages, hurting yeah. my opponent's Lingering Souls. Like the amount of cards that these like aggro decks have problems with are all kind of graveyard based. And Days on Doing as a graveyard hate, like anti, it even hurts like Delve. There's so many things it kind of does that helps your game plan while also if you were emptying your hand like Burn or, you know, Affinity. You're now, like, just drawing gas to kind of kill your opponent when you untap.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, uh, if you're in red and blue, half the cards you're going to be drawing, you can cast during your opponent's turn anyway. It doesn't need to be my turn right. for Lightning Bolt. It doesn't need to be my turn to mana leak my opponent that I just drew that mana leak, you know? Right. Uh, or, or what have you. So, I, I, I was actually very surprised by the uproar hand-wringing over the fact that it ends your turn i I, that was the that didn't concern me in the least with this card
1: right like there would be times where like okay i draw seven cards i'm gonna end my turn now like that would be my natural like the the only thing i can see that being like a problem for is storm and we're all better off that storm doesn't have this card available and i don't miss it right (laughs) (laughs) so like the fact that this like makes you end your turn fine you just drew seven cards and your opponent just discarded like the hand that they kept like that's the other thing with affinity Mm -hmm. if you drop your hand out on turn one or two a combination normally you're at three mana by turn two anyways and if you cast this on turn two on the play your opponent played one land and now that hand that they kept that was good or playable is now a different hand that could very well just be no lands or all six draw. You know, like there are so many bad things that can happen drawing a seven card hands blind that early in the game that this card just could wreck an opponent out of the gate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it almost made my list. And again, that's where I was kind of embarrassed about starting out with Liliana, because I think <laughs> this is a much more powerful card than her, but, uh, you know, decisions were made, cuts were made. I, th- I-, I would not be surprised if this does see play, especially in, uh, Delverdeck's, uh, affinity. Sure. I can see that as well.
1: I mean, like it- The other, the big question here with a lot of people's minds, I don't, and this is the most interesting part about the card to me, is will it be powerful enough to be banned? It's possible this effect, this cheap, is too good for modern, but Mm. only I guess time will tell. I actually don't know because these, this is the type of effect that so often whiffs and does nothing in the format that it can be anywhere in the power level scale.
0: We shall see. We shall see. The last time they tried to create one of these powered down versions of of great power from the past, we all know how that that turned out with Treasure Cruise, so who knows? I don't know if this could possibly be as format warping, but we shall see. So this is something that's interesting. We were talking,
1: I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I honestly think Dig Through Time was originally this effect. Yeah. Where they had the plan with Delve to make each of the three blue power nine cards. And then mm-hmm. in testing, this on Delve was too strong. and mm-hmm. But you can kind of see similar, like, you instead of drawing seven, you look at the top seven. There's, like, similar effects in what Dig Through Time is kind of doing that I do think that's where this started. And I think maybe they're like, well, let's put this at the end of the set with, a, like, with not messing with Delve. Obviously, Delve was too powerful, and they probably knew to a certain extent it would be hard to kind of balance. So they saved this for just, like, a regular card. And now it, we're going to see. It's
0: it's possible. It's possible. All right. Number five. Number five is proof that I take the top ten very seriously because number five is my personal number one. But just in terms of actual within the format ranking, I'm going to put it right square in the middle. But I'm in love with another number five. I want to run away with it. It's <laughs> Harbinger of the Tides. My, my – I – This is what did it for me with Origins, where I could no longer be a sour grump about this set (laughs) like I usually am, because I'm usually just scowling at every preview season, and I wait until I actually get to play the set to cheer up. But as soon as I saw Harbinger, I I mean, I'm a merfolk player. It's a merfolk at two. It's tempo, tempo, tempo. And we're going to talk merfolk in a bit. But, uh, what I really love about this is that they kept the casting cost at 2 instead of 3, so your Aether Vial, which 9 times out of 10, you're keeping at 2 for 90% of the rest of your deck, Uh, it it works in coordination with that. If you need to, you've got that flash option later in the game, when you've got that 4 mana open, and its ability is good on everything, except, I suppose, if you compare, I think it's going to be replacing Uh, Tidebinder mage in sideboards is the first thing it's going to do. I don't know if it'll actually end up being mainboarded, but it'll absolutely replace Tidebinder as a sideboard option. And the only thing Tidebinder is better against is possibly Tarmogoyf uh, for this. But other than that, uh, I just, this is a, a fantastic Fabulous card. And Merfolk is on the way up, 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 baby. (laughs) So I do think actually that Tie Batter Mage is also possibly better against
1: Primeval Titans. Okay, Uh, I can see that. Just from the basis that Primetime in those decks uh, is given vigilance by the lands that it fetches out of the Amulet Bloom deck. Uh-huh. So it you can't bounce it with the Harbinger? Mind you, I have Harbinger way higher than you have it. So we well, will I was get trying to, to be fair. It.
0: I didn't I didn't want to be one of those guys where it's like, oh yeah, the professor put Harbinger at number one or two just because he loves Merfolk or we right, can't right, take this. Right. I had to be a scientist. I had to be impartial. <laughs> I had to be the third party observer. And so I said number five, we'll see. You know? Well,
1: so to everyone listening. You did bribe me, so that's why I placed it higher than you did. So we'll, we'll okay. get to it later. Okay. <laughs> but okay. I'll be expecting my check <laughs> in the mail. All right. All right. <laughs> so number five. Yes. My number five. Yeah. Is also on the tribal train. Ooh. Goblin pile driver. This is the 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 biggest reprint. And this is the reprint everyone is excited from this set. It's. The thing people think are going to make goblins a thing. Based off of some of the cards we talked about, blue is going to be even more prominent. So even the protection from blue might be even a little bit better, especially with all those merfolk running around. (laughs) And it definitely is a card that pushes the goblin tribal deck possibly towards seeing play. So now we have merfolk, elves, and goblins as, like, top tier decks. Um, I I mean, I could go on forever, but, like, this is a card that's been talked about by everyone. It's going to be
0: great. I, I am fully behind it in modern. I think goblins will be playable. I, I think that goblins will be playable as well. And I also think that just goblin, as a goblin enthusiast as well, I'm, I'm a tribal enthusiast. Uh, so it's not just merfolk that I love. Uh, I, I also am a connoisseur of goblins. <laughs> and I gotta say that just in Magic's history, Goblin Piledriver is one, one of the most powerful goblin cards ever printed. Right. Uh, it, it's not just like, oh, hey guys, this was a really powerful card. This is in the entire timeline one of the most powerful goblin cards, and it is going to bring goblins up to being a viable deck in modern, to, to being, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to win a GP right away or whatever, but it's definitely going to be a thing. Uh, it's on my list as well. I had it much higher than number five. Well, we'll, we'll get there. I mean, yeah. so
1: number four, uh, just to get my end, we already talked about it. Uh, Evolutionary Leap is my number right. four. going to be great. I think the value train that's offered in the low mana cost, allowing you to kind of do it for value is something that's very strong in the format. What's your number four?
0: My number four is Darnation. I I mean, languish, languish. (laughs) Uh,
1: uh,
0: This is a potential strictly worse card that is strictly better. And I've been looking at this thing and and reading a lot of people's thoughts on it and, and following some of the discussions. And everyone is so caught up in damnation being reprinted, not reprinted. Why didn't we get damnation? This is the strictly worse damnation. What are they doing? They're they're jerking around with us here. This and that. And I think that people are missing two points. Point number one: damnation isn't even played in modern, really. I mean, come on. Right. We're, we're, where's damnation? Name. I mean, like besides a really fringe rogue deck, maybe that I I I I don't discount. It's out there. I can't think of one. Off I think the top I think of my head. Rix's
1: Control Decks are playing one or two Sure, in the side. That's that's the most Okay.
0: So so I think people are are all like getting very upset about a lack of damnation and not realizing that it's it's not really uh uh as in demand as let's say Serum Visions could have used right. that reprint where that's in a lot of decks and and really could be down given what its price is for its rarity level. Now, number two with languish is that that negative four, negative four can work to your advantage if what you've got on the ground is things that have a toughness of five or greater. And so this could be board wipe that doesn't wipe your board, that wipes your opponent's board, and not your own. So your opponent has got a bunch of elves out, and you've got, I don't know, siege rhinos? Well, wipe those elves, Tassiger, I mean, any type of these uh, 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 Selesnian or Wiltleaf decks where they've got the lieges in play, and oh my god, those cards get pumped up like you wouldn't believe, and then You're playing aggro, and what's the worst thing that happens to you when you're playing aggro besides board wipe is that your opponent has also got forces that can keep you from hitting them. And so you languish, you can wipe out even goblins, merfolk, all those tribes, zoo, and then just power through. Uh, uh, I think that in an attempt for this to be slightly worse than damnation, they may have accidentally made it better, and it's definitely up there at number four on my list. I'm actually growing very fond of darnation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I couldn't dis- I couldn't agree with you more. I think the
1: fact that like the Abzan decks that exist right now out of mm-hmm. the side if you side these in and maybe take out lingering souls, you get Rhino, Tasogeth and Tarmogoyf all right. can survive this coming into play is a insane thing to do to any of these decks that don't get bigger than that. Like Merfolk, this kind of wrecks them. And when you mentioned no one's playing Damnation, I was thinking about it. I was like, this might be a time to start playing more Damnations just based off the fact that like Elves is a a major play in the format, as is uh, Merfolk, as is possibly other aggro decks like Goblins and Zoo are seeing more play than they used to. The amount of decks that are like committing to the board, Damnation makes sense. This is better than
0: Damnation out of Abzan. Which
1: is definitely a reason to be looking at this card as something to play in the format.
0: Imagine that this card read, your opponent's creatures get negative four, negative four. And people's reaction to it would be fundamentally different. But if your creatures are above four in toughness, it essentially does. And that's what I think a lot of people are are missing. Go down to game day and try and top eight a couple times because that's where they've got the full art promo. I I think that they'll go up in value. (laughs) Right. I agree. Um, all right. Number what's your, Number Your your number 4, right? My number 4 is Evolutionary Leap. We talked Oh, that's about right. Already. That's yeah. right. Okay. So, we're going right back uh to Number 3, number three with me. Uh Hollowed Moonlight. No. That awesome. That's my number 3. <laughs> no kidding. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 another attempt at Strictly Worse, right? This is the Strictly Worse Containment Priest. Right. Yet I think it's strictly better. You know why? Because I think that creatures are too fragile. Everything That could counter your Containment Priest, could also counter Hollowed Moonlight, more or less, that you might be going up against. But let's say that they just straight-out reprinted into, finally, Modern Containment Priest uh, so that we had access to it. Well, even if you resolve it, then you've got a creature that is susceptible to all the removal that, uh, you know, it can just get lightning bolted. And you can't lightning bolt Hollowed Moonlight. This just puts a rain cloud over people trying to, you know, splinter twin out or, you know, on and on and on. Any of that stuff that, that you, your heart just sinks, uh, I think that this actually is something I'd rather have than the creature that can just get lightning bolted or, or doom bladed or what have you.
1: And not, I mean, not to mention, this is better with Snapcaster Mage all day long. With the oh, fact yeah. that, like, just like worst case scenario, it's a cantrip. But against decks like Collected Company, it's a house. Against decks like Splinter Twin, it's a a fog or with Snapcaster Mage, a double fog, which is good right. against that deck because it lets you untap and you know cast your actual removal spells if you need to. Your in, at least sorcery speed ones, which especially blue white red decks might have if it's playing blue and white. Uh, it, it'll like there's so many matchups. It, merfolk elves <laughs> like yeah this Rexa aether vial a- activation completely like at least getting you a zero for one which is the best possible thing you can be doing i definitely and- think this card's one of the best cards on the set for the format it is the white sorcerer it's a it's a uh, a white sideboard card that's mm-hmm. a possible main deck so like i wouldn't say this is going to be the most expensive card out of the gate i do think in the next five years, though, if you not, don't have your playset, you're definitely going to be beating yourself up, and you're definitely going to see this card all over the format.
0: It's, it's, it's definitely toolkit. It's definitely something you want in your tool, tool belt uh, or what have you. And again, just because I do feel that I would rather have this than a Containment Priest, let's say we are playing, and I do have my Merfolk with my Aether Vial, you have to cast that Containment Priest, have it resolve, and then it goes to my turn. I'm not tapping the Aether Vial. <laughs> right, right <laughs> You know, right, right. and so, but meanwhile, you pass to me, I tap the Aether Vial, and you respond with this, and I've just had a big loss there, uh, uh, as opposed to being stalled out till I can remove or unsu- or vapor snag, as I've got in my Merfolk deck, uh, that containment priest, had they reprinted th- that instead of doing this, I-, I just feel that this has got the potential to do so much more destruction uh, uh, to your opponent, and I'm very excited about this card.
1: Right, all right. Next on our list, it, and so or, that was your
0: that was your number three too. Yeah, that
1: was both of our number what? three. We, we tied. you and I are on you and I are on the same wavelength. I know. Here. I thought I thought we were going to be way way off of
0: each other at the beginning. Yeah. There were some misses, but okay. So now getting all to right. number number two. What is your number two? Number two was tough because my number two and my number one, I think, are insanely powerful cards, are, are absolute shoo-ins to make a presence and main boards uh, in modern. And honestly, I could see my number one having been number two and vice versa. But at the end of the day, I looked at it and I said, number two for me is Shaman of the Pack. Okay. Uh, uh, that this is going, elves is already a thing. Uh, In Modern, Collected Company Elves is already a thing. It's already performing really well. And Shaman of the Pack works with Collected Company. It goes into... Uh, uh, collected company elves uh, if you just throw in a few shock lands to be able to, uh, to hardcast manor. it. if But you don't even need it if you collected company into true, it. True so true. it's not, it's not going to be that hard, uh, I feel, to come out. And I think that it makes a real big significance in terms of the loss of life that's going to occur as you're swarming with elves. Th- to uh, confirm
1: this is the one black green comes into play and does damage to target player equal to how many elves you control,
0: correct? Correct, correct, correct. Okay. And, and I also was speaking to uh, uh, some people who play Legacy Elves and they think that it's got a home over there, which means that uh, if Elves becomes a thing in Standard and Elves becomes a thing in Modern, and or, I'm sorry, if Elves takes in Shaman of the Pack in Modern and Elves takes in Shaman of the because it's already a thing in Modern, right. takes in Shaman of the Pack in Legacy, that this card is going to be in the Elf deck in all three Constructed formats, uh, I think it's an absolute powerhouse. Uh, uh, if I uh, uh, build Collected Company Elves, which I'm in, I'm putting back together again, I'm absolutely throwing Shaman of the Pack in for of.
1: Right. It's definitely a good card. It, interesting enough, our top two for sure is not the same. So, really? so my number two, I meant we talked about it earlier, is Liliana, Heretic. Ah, wow. Healer, She's yeah. up there on that list. So I think... She's going to be very, 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 very good in Abzan Collected Company combo decks. I okay. think the fact that she comes into play off of Collected Company, you already have multiple sack outlets that should be in play at that point. So she can instantly flip and then rebuy one of the combo pieces that you'll need to win offers mm-hmm. a lot of the things that kind of eternal witness might add to that deck. But she kind of works on every single level of what that deck is trying to do. Her, mm-hmm. her we didn't, I didn't mention it before because I was going to bring it up, but her... The fact that these Planeswalkers can be brought in with Collected companies specifically is the thing that I'm most interested with them, probably in every format that I'm going to think about playing them in.
0: Yeah. I can I can see that. I can see that. Well, let we'll, we, we will find out, won't we?
1: Yep. Before we get into our number one, I do want to bring up some honorable mentions. If you have some honorable mentions, feel free to bring them up. Sure. Um, my first is Starfield of Nyx.
0: <laughs> Love so, it.
1: So I think... You know, this deck might not be a thing. It does involve spending six mana to cast a spell, but open the vault's enchantment decks where you're trying to get as many of these enchantments into your graveyards and then just kind of insta-kill them that turn you cast it is definitely something I can imagine. Opulence being in the format just seems like a cool ability. There's also... And the get them to work will be really interesting, but there are all, like, some ley line decks that you just, like, it's a le- deck in Legacy because Opulence is there, but you just drop as many ley lines as possible, and then you play Opulence, and then you just swing with a bunch of 4-4s. The problem is we don't have any land that really works with that. <laughs> but I yes. definitely think the Open the Vaults Starfield of Nick's deck is something I'm definitely going to at least try... For funsies, and then it's very possible that you know something with like besiege you where they can't counter it, it's something that you could probably do a lot of damage on that turn six if you need to, but it might just be way too slow.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true, that's true, hence honorable mentions. Do you have, ever- yeah, I, I do. Uh, uh, my honorable mention is the Abbot of Carol Keep is one red and uh, one colorless for a 2 1 human monk with prowess, and when Abbot of Carol Keep. Enters the battlefield, exile the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card. Definitely
1: definitely a card that I've seen talked about. It's really aggressive and it's kind of good at all points in the game, which is something to be looking for in a card in general. Where a top deck in the late game and a top deck in the early game, both kind of it's good to be played at that point. And
0: aggressive, red, jund, you know? Right, right, right. I I think that, that, again, jund uh, never goes away, does it? And I think that this is the sort of thing that keeps it around.
1: And and not to mention, one thing I do... The the one thing I'm a little wary in this card is there are Mm -hmm. a lot of... Two drops that draw you a card that that have seen a lot of play in Modern's history, specifically in Elves and Merfolk, both have that one card, that that's what they do, and it's one of the best cards in their deck. The difference is, is that this guy doesn't have a tribe that's kind of relevant, So, but maybe prowess kind of makes up for that fact, and I'm interested to see how that kind of plays with each other. I definitely think this is a standard card that everyone needs to be keeping an eye on.
0: Sure, definitely in standard. And again, that's why it was my honorable mention it right. didn't make the top 10. And I know Ben mentioned this card at one
1: point in in our talks of things to be worried about. So I'll give him a shout out and say he does. Put, he would have put this card on his top 10. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and then I guess my last honorable mention, unless this is your number one and hopefully we're not that wrong, uh, is Dark Petition. So this is the five mana sorcery. You get to search your library for any card and uh, put it into your hand. And then if you have spell mastery, you get three, you get a dark ritual for free. Um, Yes. I think this is a card that the like ad nauseum, the ad nauseum uh, life's finale cards that like, you know, there would definitely maybe look for this. I think it's possible in storm, though. I do think the triple black doesn't really work in the deck and they're not playing black currently, but this kind of effect is something that people should keep an eye on just in case the right things are printed in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that Ad Nauseum certainly is going to play around with this card. Ad Nauseum is starting to really make a, a, a name for itself in Modern. Uh, I'm putting it together. I haven't done much playtesting with it uh, as of yet. But looking at this card, I think Ad Nauseum is probably the best home for it.
1: Right, and and worst case scenario, even I've seen some people mess around like in Jundex or Abzan lists where you cast Dark Petition and then you get a Liliana of the Veil and you just cast it like as your worst case scenario with the card versus getting something better than that. And I can see that having some amount of play. I just, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Obviously honorable mentions.
0: So yeah. are we ready for number ones? Sure. Who uh, should go first on number one? Cause I've technically revealed mine. If you were paying attention. All right, I'm going to let you go first goblin pile driver there you go (laughs) there you go and and you said before uh uh, recording this not to pick any uh reprinted cards that were already in modern i was like okay but goblin pile driver was not already in modern so i left him on there and i gotta say this card i think is the best card for modern out of the entire set uh i wish they did Things like this more often in terms of reprinting old cards that are not on the reserve list but also not in Modern to bring them in, to shake up the format, to be able to enable the types of decks that people want to play. Uh, It's one of the best goblins, like I already said, in the game and I'm very happy to have it in Modern now and until the time that it gets banned.
1: Right, well, I was. We were talking, me and Ben, about like some changes that could happen to modern that we'd be interested in. And one of them was extending it to onslaught block. And one of the reasons sure. was like, you get Goblin Piledriver, you get like Snipe, like all these cards from that set that'd be really interesting in modern. Like, and wouldn't be, I mean, Goblin Piledriver is going to be good in standard, but like that's not the worst type of deck to be good in standard. And I'm not going to be that sad about it. So, like, yeah. there's definitely a lot of interesting cards. And it's one of my, like, the reasons I'm sad we're not going to get core sets anymore. Is like there's a lot of cool cards from older sets that like need to kind of find a home to get reprinted in for modern. And I think this is like a prime example of them doing something like this,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. although I'm a big fan of just never mind extending modern to onslaught, just reprint i'm I'm very pro reprint in block sets. I, I, I really feel the ratios are too low. We barely get anything. A lot of it is is not viable stuff. It's just some filler. Reprint away, baby. That's my motto.
1: And I do think they're gonna do it more. Like, f- at least from Wizards' PR, they've said because we're getting rid of corsets, we're gonna become very, very, very aware—or not wary, very, very cognizant of noticing when oh, this would be a great place to reprint these older powerful cards. Because classically, blocks normally like once in a while we'll get a thought seize but they really need to kind of pick it up a notch since they're getting rid of the corset. set since a lot of times I think they'd be like, well, we could reprint this good card, but well, we'll save it for a core set. Cause that's what core sets are about. Now they're going to like actually start throwing in every single set, which I think is going to be really fun. Uh,
0: you know, I, I hate to again, be that, that cynical skeptic, but as <laughs> soon as you said the letters P and R, I rolled my eyes <laughs> and I, 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 and it's like, if they do that, I will be happy. If right. they do that, I will be happy. But like you said, that's what their PR said. True. So we shall see. I would love that more than anything. <laughs> and so my number one. Yes. Your favorite. Be, really? My favorite, oh, snap. Of oh, of snap. Tides.
1: Yeah. So, All right. So here's the deal. I think this card, A, for sure, is playable main deck in Merfolk. I Ooh. think the fact that Merfolk is already a GP winning deck and is already a tier one deck in the format. Getting a piece that's like blatantly super strong in that deck is very good for the deck, but possibly insane. (laughs) (laughs) Like this card is very good. It's going to do a lot of work Uh, of the different cards. I put like in different spots, like there's an argument for Liliana, maybe not being this high. I think this card is one of the best cards in the set for modern bar none. I mean, like we've talked about forever, like abrupt decay is bad against Murfolk because Master Waves exist, and this is another piece that just kind of works in that. Demo- I just I can't I can't talk enough about how much I think this card is going to be good in the deck to the extent yeah. that we're going to do a Murfolk deck tech next, <laughs> just because I think this card is that good that like that's the deck to talk about.
0: Awesome, awesome! I, I'm I'm very excited for it. You know when when they print pieces for Murfolk. I mean I was playing Murfolk when they printed. Master of the Pearl Trident. And I right. was just like. Thank you, uh, my <laughs> glorious, my glorious overlords. Thank you. And then they printed things like Tidebinder Mage and Master of Waves. And again and again, I was just so happy. And then when I saw this, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I really wonder if they sit back and they actually say the words. All right. So we would like modern Merfolk to remain a strong, viable deck. What type of gas could we give it? What kind of right could we give it? Ice and sincerely doubt they ever ever say those words but because i've i've been told i've read them say that they don't think about beyond standard very much right. that that they they're not concerned that modern is a blip on their radar in the distance and they couldn't spell legacy if they tried uh so i, I doubt they said that so but it fits so perfectly especially at that beautiful two mana uh it's a fabulous card it's exciting I love it. I, I'm in love with this card, like right. I said.
1: And and I, to be totally honest, one of the reasons I rate it so highly is I don't think it's just a merfolk card. I think the ability is pretty strong. The fact that it instant speed bounce, I mean, like, I'm a huge Venser fan, and this mm-hmm. does a lot of the things that Venser does that's good, which is just, like, fogs your opponent for a turn, stops them from getting into you, messes up a Tassiger. The fact that Delve right. is so, like, powerful in the format, Harbinger of Tides is very good because of that. It hurts infect. Like, it has so many things... And it works with Collected Company. Like, th- just yeah. insurmountable stuff that I think this card can do in the format. I'm excited. I think this set in general has been awesome for Modern. Like, there are cards that I even included my honorable mentions. We are, like, first, like, our, like, 5 through 10 were completely different from each other. <laughs> like, there's so many cool cards in this set. I think they, like, as a core set, they knocked this one out of the park. I think they're, like, this is the last one. Not to mention there are so many cards that, in general, hark back to, like, Nostalgic reasons, like, there's a Power 9 card in this set, there's a Survival of the Fist in this set, there's a Dark Ritual in this set,
0: there's so many cool cards that they're coming out with that I'm like, I'm very excited. Now, on the nostalgia factor, I do have to play Devil's Advocate and say one thing. There is no card in this set called Urza's Something or Other, and it fails for me on Nostalgia Factors for having not one artifact (laughs) called Urza's something or other. Urza's contact lenses, whatever. (laughs) Like, I I, I just, I can't believe we didn't get Urza's something or other. There was talk for a while they thought they would do the Urza lands again, which would have been nice. uh, uh, But so I'm afraid that as a very, very, very elderly magic player, the nostalgia value, this is going back to Magic Origins. In Lorwyn with the Lorwyn five planeswalkers and 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 stuff like that. I'm back from the '90s, baby. You know, like <laughs> give me give me some Urzas, give me some Baron Sengir. give me some Sarah. That's that's my my style. I I, I will say
1: though, there is Pyromancer's goggles, which is another pair ah. Of they eyewear. mentioned they
0: mentioned Jellia Bellard. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I would, but but from where a history of glasses.
1: She Well no, okay, so story-wise, <sighs> I know Ben generally hates on it, but I'm I'm very well versed in the story of magic. Mm-hmm. Uh that's where Chandra, so Chandra goes to in our first planeswalk, the plane she goes to is a a temple where Jaya Ballard is worshiped as a god. Right. And that's where she kind of learns all of her like Pyromancery shenanigans is by going and learning by monks that were taught by Jaya, so like they do kind of carry some of that old stuff into the set. I do agree there maybe no- needs to be a little bit more, but there's so many harkbacks to like these classic cards that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, I agree. Also on the story note, I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm bringing it up because I can, because Ben's not here to yell at me. I love uh,
0: storyline, man. I'm I'm Mr. Storyline. Good.
1: So Kithion versus Gideon. The reason he's named Gideon is because the accent in Bant pronounces Kithion Gideon, so
0: it's so for, the, so, how, so for the rest of his life he just goes by that, right? So, so that's it. I mean, I I I I lived and worked abroad for two years. And uh, people uh, uh, slightly mispronounced my name because of uh, differences in the the familiar sounds. But when I returned, I didn't just, or even when I was there, I I didn't just adopt the incorrect pronunciation of my name. I I think that that's very funny that one guy mispronounces his name (laughs) as Gideon, and then he's just like, well, I guess I'm not Kytheon anymore. And when I travel to Innistrad or wherever, I'm going to be Gideon because Bant mispronounced my name. It, I, it is I something mean, interesting, because eh, I, eh.
1: I, I do, I've always wondered how this works in magic, and we're going to go on a huge tangent apparently, mm-hmm, but I've always mm-hmm. wondered how
0: um, languages transfer? <laughs> oh, well, I'm so glad you asked, because I actually have the answer to oh, that. okay. In go the old it. days, you said that Jaya was worshipped as a god. Well, in the old days, when you ascended, your spark made you like one of the, uh, uh, like, not quite God Omnibody. with a capital yeah not quite God with a capital G but God with a lower G you were like a Greek God uh uh you you know you did have some limits but they were very few and as far as the rest of the multiverse was concerned you were definitely a god uh and one of the many 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 things in addition to immortality and shape-shifting that the spark granted you was that language was was universally understood and so this is why when your spark ignites and you travel the multiverse that you can speak the language of whatever people you are with. And so that actually makes quite a lot of sense. You know, if right. Ares, if, if let's pretend the Greek gods are real, and Ares, the god of war, were to teleport to feudal Japan, I think he would not have trouble conversing with people that he would want to convince to go to war with him. Uh, uh, you know, because he's a god. He's not constrained by mortal language. And so I'm, I'm very much a pre-mending flavor fan. And and yes, that was one of the many things. I suppose if, you know, young Pyromancer, we're talking about Chandra was in Jayla's uh temple. Uh well if young Pyromancer is dressed like Chandra and is like a fanboy of Chandra, then Chandra is just dressed like and a fan girl of Jayla Ballard, isn't she? Yeah, no. It's, it's levels, exactly. it's levels. So yeah. I, I'm waiting for the real deal. I want, I want the real thing. No more imitations. <laughs> and I shall wait in vain. Uh, we asked a question before the podcast started. I asked
1: everyone on the Twitterverse what they thought a big sleeper for Magic Origin was, since we're doing the review mm. this episode. No, and yes. uh, I want to get some of their answers. So first off, we have uh, Wodar, uh, who is at Wodar underscore melon. He said... Uh, his favorite pick for a sleeper is Garopper, and I have no idea if I'm selling that correctly. Aethergrid, he uh, feels like a good combo sleeper, and he also has an idea for a Tainted Remedy deck with Wall of Shards. Uh, Tainted Remedy is the, if you lose life that turn, you can the an opponent loses that life instead. And I think mm-hmm. Wall of Shards lets you just drain yourself, correct? Yes. Okay, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a combo, and it only costs three mana, so I can imagine that doing some work.
0: Uh, I think it's definitely got potential. I think that obviously what you're looking at is a uh, a, a red-based affinity deck that is looking to already, you know, it's running that one ma- mana, uh, tap those artifacts to, to punch through. Right. One damage, it's very small in modern. It's not going to remove a lot of creatures. It's not going to hit a lot of players. And if you've got... A big swarm of your artifacts then i don't think that you're having trouble that you need the aether grid to punch you forward but right. I, I don't I think see what, in what they're saying
1: the, the deck i actually see it working best in is the new uh, lantern control decks hmm. where you're already playing all of these kind of one drop artifacts that yes you're like keeping your opponent off but if your opponent has a land you're not tapping them you're just like okay I want, I want them to draw that land so you could use this to kind of quicken your game plan which also may help with the one problem i can imagine the deck has which is going till time yeah where this this definitely puts a clock on your opponent plus it lets you, you know you can tap your uh bridges you know like there's so many like artifacts that you just have in play in general that aren't doing a whole lot sometimes like even lantern that this kind of maybe gives you an, an an alternate wind condition that I could see being semi-interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next, Eric Landis at Proggy Boog at the MM cast. Psycho Rebuttal. No, I'm sorry. I thought sees you and parentheses. So Psycho Rebuttal is the blue colorless uh, counter spell that can also redirect or, or copy and redirect a spell. If you have uh, spell mastery, I've had actually a few people mention this card. I definitely think, uh, in, and it for sure, I think was on Ben's, uh, honorable mentions or in his top 10, depending on how he recorded that when we recorded that. Uh, what do you think uh, of the card? Uh,
0: I think it's got potential. Uh, I, I actually think that a lot of uh, these cards, maybe this is the set that they are thinking of modern a little bit more than they usually do. I mean, uh, the control decks in modern, with a few exceptions, haven't been dominating forces. And I think that this might let a few rogue Mm, I don't. I hate to say mono blue, but definitely control heavy decks see some play. Uh, I think it's got some real potential. Yeah, I agree. Um, last but not least, Jason Alt, guest from
1: last week from Brainstorm Brewery, uh, orbs of warding is bonkers. If you wouldn't die to Splinter Twin Exarch, instead, do not die to Splinter Twin Exarch. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the five mana artifact that makes it so people can't target you. And then if a creature were to attack you, prevent one of those damages that it would do. Or if a creature were to do damage to you.
0: Sure. The problem is, is it costs five, right? Much, much like the pyromancer's goggles that I poo-pooed earlier. <laughs> yeah, but they produce some yeah, mana, so it kind of costs four. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm very. My modern rule is, I'm a real two to three uh, player. That's no, fair. Like, we, we definitely like, talk like, about let's that. Let's see. Let's see things that cost two to three. And when you're getting above that, you're getting into trouble. When you're all the way up to five. Uh, They've probably already killed you if you're depending upon orbs of warding in modern. Well, that's you're in trouble. That's definitely in, where you're, the you're line on is. the defense. Yeah,
1: where like if you take this card, like cards that are supposed to protect you, especially should definitely not cost five mana. That's where mm-hmm. you run into a wall because if you're if your plan as a sideboard card is oh I'm gonna cast this and it's gonna let me survive on turn five. Most decks that this would be good against kill you before that, especially right. like burn kills you, so the untargability isn't uh, isn't helpful. Discard decks would have you discard before this comes into play, like, and and uh, all the other decks like. That this really stops. This doesn't really do enough early enough. Burn, burn can her.
0: handle. Burn can handle artifacts too. Burn's right. trouble is with enchantments, not artifacts. Right. I've got I've got smashed to smithereens in my sideboard, and people, other burn players have a host of other uh, uh, artifact removal. That's not red's problem. That's not burn's problem. Enchantments are red's problem. Right, which is why
1: leyline is just a, a leyline. Uh, is just a
0: much better version
1: of what this card is yeah. kind of trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the Twitters. Uh, once again, if you want to send us some stuff, we are at the MMCast. Uh, and to kind of wrap up, I am at Cass Wiley. You can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, where can they find
0: you, Professor? They can find me at Tolarian Community College and in YouTube, uh, which is uh, the main place to interact with me. I am also on Twitter at Tolarian College or I'm on Facebook at Tolarian Community College. But really the best place to find me is just going to YouTube for Tolarian Community College. Got a large library of everything from product reviews to modern deck techs and a lot of other interesting lessons that uh, hopefully will be of use to viewers. Yeah. And we'll link out to all that
1: on uh, rocketjump.com where our podcast is hosted as always Uh, and we want to kind of thank all you guys make sure to rate us on itunes follow us on twitter we just hit uh, today 500 followers on twitter so yay us and then uh yeah so we'll see you guys next week
0: thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com see you later alligator